Hello and welcome to Katie Hopper Show. On today's show, I play an episode I recorded on the radio live on WBAI. I speak to Congressman Ro Khanna. I'm joined also in the studio again by Anders Lee, who I wanted to make sure I got some time with before he's off to Washington, D.C. to become a correspondent for uh, Redacted Tonight with Lee Camp. And then also I get a phone call. We get have a little chat with Brad Johnson, uh, the former the founder of Climate Hawks Vote. And we talk a little bit about fact-checking. Please rate and review us on iTunes. And, of course, to hear our bonus. This week we have a bonus episode with Anders Lee. You can um, become Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Today we are speaking to NBD. No big deal. We just are about to speak to Congressman Ro Khanna from California 17th District. Very excited to do that. A real progressive champion. Um, I'm here with my uh, main man in the studio, a man named Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. Anders Lee is here, present. Um, very excited to have Anders kind of um, uh, co-piloting this episode with me before we yeah. lose him to Washington, D.C., where he'll be moving to be on Lee Camp's Redacted Tonight. Tonight that's right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Ha- happy to be here. Yeah. Stand-up comedian, also one of the hosts of the great podcast, Pod Damn America. Um, but I think we should just, you know, take advantage of the fact that we have Representative Kana on the line and uh, just at, start the conversation with him. Is he there? Yep. Hi, Katie. Great, Hi. To, great to be back on. Thank you. Yes, of course. We're big fans. Thank you for coming on. Um, I'm here with Anders Lee. Hi, Congressman. And also, Hi, Anders. Also with Reggie, um, Reggie Johnson, who is a... Um, an engineer, I like to call him a DJ of the radio waves. <laughs> hey. Hey, hey, guys. Hi, Reggie. Hi. So, um, thanks again so much for coming on, and tell us what you're up to. Um, you're someone who really is interested and focused on foreign policy. Um, tell us what is happening. By the way, congratulations. Happy um, John Bolton is no longer uh, in the administration week. Um, yeah, no. We have a mustache-shaped uh, cake up here. Yeah. I mean, he has done more damage, arguably, maybe not as much as Dick Cheney, but it's close in the 21st century on American foreign policy. He undermined the uh, North Korean uh, agreement that Bill Clinton had reached. He got us, uh, was one of the cheerleaders for getting us into the war in Iraq. He has undermined uh, the Iran JCPOA. He's undermined all of our dipl- diplomatic efforts in North Korea so I have an op-ed coming out actually in The Nation uh, making the case for why uh, John Bolton represents uh, exactly the wrong thinking in American foreign policy and uh, what progressive alternative we need. So tell, can you give us a little uh, foreshadowing of that? Well, I, I go through all of the places where he has uh, uh, hurt American interests uh, from Iraq to uh, North Korea to Iran to Venezuela. I mean, he was the leading advocate of uh, uh, having Guaido anointed. Uh, and the the interesting thing is, in all of those cases, it's not just a violation of human rights. They've also just been uh, blunders. Uh, you know, Napoleon once famously said, it's worse than a crime, it's a blunder. And Bolton has literally had strategic mistake after strategic mistake. And what I argue instead is that we need to have military restraint in our interventions and instead engage the world. I mean, I'm not an isolationist. We need to engage on issues of climate change, on issues of nonproliferation, uh, on issues of counterterrorism, on issues of tackling global poverty, of trying to regulate technology. There's so many places for constructive American engagement. 
but it's not uh, with the military interventionism that uh, Bolton advocates. Now, you mentioned uh, Dick Cheney. Do you think he'd be number one in the neocon rogues gallery, or would it be someone like Bolton or perhaps Rumsfeld? Mm, good question. Uh, it's a tough choice. Uh, you, you know, I, uh, I I think they've all played uh, such a destructive roles, and the Iraq uh, blunder is probably the single biggest mistake America has made, uh, both from a, a human rights perspective, from destabilizing the Middle East, and uh, from uh, a, a perspective of hurting our national interests. So in that in that regard, I think Dick Cheney has probably been responsible for the biggest mistake. But Bolton has had a more widespread uh, pernicious influence. I mean, he's hurt us not just in Iraq, but uh, undermining North Korea, uh, championing a war in Iran, uh, leading the destabilizing efforts in Venezuela. Uh, so, uh, you know, that is uh, a, uh, I, I, I think it's it's a r- good that he is out of that administration. Right. Uh, I want to get to all yeah. your, your hard questions that yeah. would be another question because I've, they've just called vote. Oh, okay. And so I want to, I, I want to get, it. I'll do, we could do a rapid round and yeah, you can great. never tell when they call vote right. and then I can, Head down. The, you can't do it by phone yet. You the, can't do it on bell democracy. Yeah, you can't WhatsApp it in. <laughs> I can't. You know, they, you yeah. have to go down on the floor, and as I learned once, uh, you have to have a tie on. They don't even let you on the floor. Oh if you don't no! Have a tie. Did you try without a tie? I did once. Uh oh! Did they, they turn you, know, you back? It didn't work. Oh no! So much for uh, not being an aristocracy. So much for uh, you know the American <laughs> Revolution leaving that behind. So um, I got some hardballs for you. It's very hard for yes. me because when I like someone, I don't like to throw any hardballs <laughs> at them. But I must do this because the listeners have questions. So, um, so one of the questions is I'm going to give them t- both to you. Okay, uh, it's argued that Israel's settlements in the West Bank are a violation of international law. Do you believe the settlements should be dismantled in a peace negotiation? And if so, do you believe we should condition the billions in aid we give? to them on requiring that Israel dismantle the settlements? So I have uh, come out against any new settlements, and I am leading a letter, which is still in the works, uh, on stopping all uh, demolitions of uh, any of the villages. And I have written before for uh, demolition, uh, that you can't have demolition of the villages. And I, of course, oppose Netanyahu's plan to annex the uh, in, entire West Bank. I mean, that's basically what he is uh, now pledging. Uh, in terms of the existing settlements, I think that has to be part of the peace negotiation between the United States, uh, uh, I mean, Israel and Palestine, with the United States playing uh, a broker uh, for a, an honest peace. And I still believe in a, a two-state solution. And presidents in the past have uh, put pressure on uh, Israel, going all the way back to, to Dwight Eisenhower uh, with the uh, uh, Sinai Peninsula. And, and uh, uh, of course, Jimmy Carter did, George Herbert Walker Bush did, uh, Reagan did. So I, I do think that the president of the United States uh, should be willing to, to put pressure, given our relationship, to get them to uh, uh, to do uh, whatever is in the interests of peace. And your BDS vote, that's something that's very controversial. Um, you are, of course, a man of the law, um, and you are a, uh, your father, correct? Your grandfather was arrested and served time with, uh, that sounds funny, served time, was in jail with Gandhi, correct? He, he was. I mean, he was in jail during the same time right. that Gandhi was in the 1940s. Yeah. Yes. So some people have said, well, isn't BDS a nonviolent form of resistance? Some people think it's Gandhian. Um, what is your response to that and to their criticism of your vote on BDS? 
Well, my uh, response is that, first of all, I have not voted in any way to criminalize or penalize BDS. People have the right to do what, what they want to do. And I understand that we should not in, in any way uh, diminish people's rights to, to do this, on uh, whether it's on a college campus or whether it's a form of activism. Uh, and I will never support the criminalization or penalization, penalization of it. I don't think in this case that that the best way to, to get to peace. First, I think it's overbroad. I mean, I don't believe I've opposed sanctions on uh, Venezuela. I don't think that the answer is to sanction the entire uh, nation or, or of uh, uh, of Israel. I, I, I mean, it's one thing also if it was targeted towards particular uh, settlement uh, areas. So I, I think that it's overbroad, and I, I think it's not it's not going to get Israel. Uh, to the peace table, and I rather work uh, in different ways to get Israel uh, to the peace table to stop all new settlements, to stop the demolition of villages, to uh, lift the blockade. But I respect people. You know, I respect people who have a difference of opinion on that, and I certainly will never vote to penalize or criminalize them. What is your position on Kashmir? Do you support a referendum in Kashmir? What I support is the return to, to normalcy and the respect for human rights in uh, the area for both uh, uh, Hindu and Muslim uh, 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 Americans. And I have uh, been clear about, uh, uh, about that. And I think it's going to have to be, I mean, it's a very complicated history. There are human rights who have been violated on multiple uh, sides. And I, I want to see uh, a a sense of those rights respected for 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 everyone. Do you believe he should Modi? Okay, Modi was banned from traveling to the U.S. for allegations that he was complicit in the Hindu riots against Muslims in Gujarat. He's expected to visit the U.S. this month and speak in Houston. Poor guy speaking in Houston. Um, do you think <laughs> that he should be um, banned from entering? No, I don't. I mean, he's the head of state of uh, India. I mean, there's. Uh, I, I don't think we should, you know, ban any head of state uh, from 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 entering uh, to to engage in uh, diplomacy. I mean, the, the Uyghurs are being prosecuted in China, and I don't think we should ban right. Xi Jinping from coming. Right. Okay. And what about what pressure could the U.S. put on India? Do you think around um, uh, around Kashmir? Well, I think we have to engage in a, a diplomatic solution that gets India, Pakistan, and the United States. And what we need to do, frankly, is to, to tone down the, the, the rhetoric there on all sides and make sure we don't have a, uh, a, a nuclear uh, a, a confrontation. And so I think the U.S. Uh, role needs to be one that uh, urges uh, uh, restraint and make sure that we aren't uh, escalating the, the, the risk of, uh, of war and that is engaged in a uh, in diplomacy with all sides, uh, uh, also to, to, to reduce terrorism. Well, I certainly like uh, what you're saying about engaging the world in, in ways that are non-military and, and, and looking at our presence around the globe and trying to solve conflicts uh, through other means. Um, but does that worldview at some point, do you envision a world where the U.S. has completely scaled back our military presence to the point where we just don't have or really need uh, bases on foreign soil anywhere? Well, I think we have to have certain bases that are protecting the freedom of the seas or protecting uh, uh, a basic uh, 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 American uh, interests. But that doesn't mean that we need 
mass-scale intervention in regime change wars. And we can look where uh, where bases may not be necessary on a case-by-case basis, but I don't think that it makes sense to uh, to, 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 to just say on a blanket basis that we don't need basis anywhere. I mean, there are places we need bases. My bigger concern has been the interventions in Iraq and Libya, uh, in places in, uh, that have destabilized nations that haven't had a positive outcome. Uh, switching gears a little bit, you are uh, the ch- co-chair of Bernie Sanders' um, campaign, right, for uh, yes. president. And you also are someone who has praised um, Elizabeth Warren. Can you talk about where, I mean, I think a lot of people understand where they overlap, but what the differences are that makes you a Bernie person as opposed to a Warren person, even though you obviously have a lot of respect for her? Well, I do have respect for her, but I'm all in for Bernie Sanders. I've gone to uh, Iowa multiple times. I've gone to New Hampshire. I've gone to South Carolina. I've gone to Chicago. I've uh, campaigned my heart out for him. And the reason I have is because I believe he represents the type of movement politics that will be necessary uh, to to get change. He uh, is able to inspire uh, a a movement. It's not just uh, about him. And I I, I think that's what's going to be needed to get Medicare for all or free public college. And he also uh, uh, connects with rural America and communities left behind and uh, gives us, in my view, the best chance of winning Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa. Yeah, totally. I agree. Um, I mean, unofficially as a WBI person, this is um, (laughs) my alter ego speaking. Uh, Actually, I can say this is an endorsement. I happen to think he is the most electable besides having the policies and the politics and the record that... yeah, so is that the maybe one one last question and then I got to run to to vote, but okay. I wanted to make sure we got all the yeah, thank ones you. Yeah, out. this is round one. Then we'll do another round next time, another <laughs> inning. Um, well, just tell us what you're working on and where your different amendments are. So I have a uh, amendment that passed the House to defund any effort of a offensive war in, in Iran, and that is. Uh, Now at the Senate, we're working very hard to make sure that the Senate uh, includes it. uh, As you know, Senator Sanders and I passed the War Powers Resolution to stop the war in Yemen. We have an amendment now to stop any spare parts going to the Saudis uh, and to make sure that uh, the Saudis are uh, uh, not continuing the the violations in Yemen. Uh, I have a bill called the Peace Act, which would make force a last resort in cases of uh, uh, police violence, that you should not be able to use force unless it's absolutely necessary. By the way, that's the standard in uh, almost every other uh, Western uh, democracy. Uh, and then uh, there are a number of bills uh, regarding jobs. And as you know, I've been very uh, vocal on trying to get technology opportunities into rural communities and communities of color uh, and have continued to push for legislation on that front. Uh, finally, working on uh, legislation on solar and wind and electric vehicles and how to have massive investments uh, in those areas, which are going to create uh, many new jobs. They're the fastest uh, industries of job creation. Great. And final, if you have time to, co- to comment on this, I was kind of shocked by this. Nicholas Kristof said the removal of Bolton will make it easier to meet with Iranians and negotiate North Korea. It will also make it easier for Trump to make nice to Putin. That, to me, represents a kind of pro- uh, mistaken view from some Democrats and liberals. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to run, right. but I, I think that Bolton's removal is, uh, on balance, uh, a, a huge positive. And I, okay. I, I think the main thing is it's going to prevent a war, war in Iran. 
Great, and we're going to nominate you Thanks. to fill his position if you're ready. <laughs> we'll talk to. Tony I will about never that. serve this president. You can't. You can't. All right. Uh, All right. Uh, no way. Okay. All right. Good Thank to know. You. All right. We'll revoke Thanks. it. Thank you so Thank much, you. Representative Rokana from California. What a great guy. So nice. So affable. Yeah. Nice I like the way he says a. He does. Right? Doesn't <laughs> yeah, he, right? kind of Canadian. Yeah, yeah, kind of Canadian, kind of Midwestern. Although he's from Philadelphia and lives in California. I dun, guess dun, if you go from coast to coast, you go through the Midwest. Right, exactly. You might pick uh, it up. Yeah, Yeah, it's very sticky. Um, So what, how has your week been, by the way? Good, getting ready to to move uh, and trying to get in some eps with uh, the Poddam crew. Last week, we talked to Thea Riofrancos about the the Green New Deal. It's a really great episode everyone should check out. And uh, today, we did a little um, look into the new Netflix documentary, American Factory, which was uh, produced by the Obamas. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. How was that? It was actually better than I expected, but it's still kind of a, uh, a liberal. Uh, well, it's a. It, they try to. It's one of those things where we have no perspective. We uh, are just right. like letting people speak no, themselves. View from, view from nowhere. nowhere. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so tell us about why. Uh, tell us about what you're going to be doing and your next job, which is um, going to be your correspondent uh-huh. uh, at Russia. Uh, whoops, at Russia Today's Redacted Tonight. That's right, RT. RT. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. And have you been getting any pushback on that? Um, yeah. Not yet. I haven't been. Su- I haven't posted yet on social media about it, but I'm expecting to probably get some uh, confused and or angry uh, messages in my inbox. But. Um, yeah, I'm going to be a bot. I'm going to be uh, sowing dissent and, and discontent in America, um, which is, you know, what Putin wants. It's also what I want. So right. enemy my enemy is my friend, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be ex- working with, with Lee Camp and um, a lot of great people over there, including my girlfriend. Uh-oh. And uh, we're going to be making comedy about, about the world or changing world and how we can push it in the right direction. What if you guys get into a fight? What happens? We do it on air. I think we have to capture it live and it, uh, in front of the studio audience, and they, they cheer based on who has the more uh, valid points, I guess. Oh, cool. I like that. That's a good, that's a good uh, way to do it. Um, it is, by the way, September 11th, of course, as people probably know. And I just want to uh, take a moment to, of course, um, you know, uh, commemorate it and also commemorate the September 11th in Chile which um, was brought to you, I would say both of them were brought to you by U.S. imperialism. Um, Yeah. Right? One a little more uh, indirectly. but Yeah, yeah. sure, right. Well, as um, Jeremiah Wright, Uh um, one of my, that's the guy who pushed me to Obama, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, Obama, Hillary, I don't know. Then when they attacked him, he was, of course, the pastor who talked about, um, uh, oh, you guys get your yeah, name? Yeah, that's oh, the, the inspiration that. okay, for Pod yeah. Damn America. So, so, yeah. yeah, so can you tell us about, uh, yeah, so so he gave this famous speech. Uh-huh. Uh, it was uncovered. He was an Obama person. He was his minister. Who was his minister, yeah. His minister, yeah. And it was uncovered that Obama, uh, it was uncovered that he had said, God, da, gosh, God, dang, not- gosh dang America. Oh, yes. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America as long as she Supreme. Then he got into a lot of trouble for that, and he talked about September 11th. He said, you know, it was the chickens coming home to roost. Uh-huh. Um, and then that's when um, Hillary Clinton was like, uh, well, uh, he wouldn't be my minister. He, she said, you know, she oh, was asked sure. that. Yeah, right. yeah, they, yeah, they went all after him for that. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm an Obama person now. 
That's a to- I can totally uh, imagine Hillary Clinton getting up and asking to speak to the church's manager. Yeah, exactly. If he does that. Yeah, that. pulling a Brett Stevens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's something I want to make sure that we mention. Of course, um, September 11th is when there was the coup in Chile, um, which overthrew the democratically elected Salvador Allende, mm-hmm. um, and then he was replaced by. Um, Pinochet. Uh, Pinochet, who brought in a very um, prolific, cutting-edge reign of terror and torture. Um, so that was, uh, I wanted to make sure we mentioned those two things. It's interesting that you say it was one was more directly than the other one. But, yeah, I'm, um, not, I'm not saying which one. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that to the, for the listener to, to uncover. Yeah. Um, so tell us more about uh, RT and what you think the perspective is there, and what do you say to people... Um, who who say oh Putin's a a dictator or he's authoritarian or why are you working for them? Because they're going to say that they will. Uh, I'm just throwing hardballs <laughs> all over the yeah. place. Yeah, I guess I got to get used to swinging at these. Um, yeah, so I think you know there's no like obviously I have problems with uh, the Putin government. Um, but the RT as a network has editorial autonomy, as does Al Jazeera, Voice of America. A lot of the, it's not uncommon for there to be state uh, state funded um, news networks, uh, and especially the editorial side of things. You know, we're we're a news show. We're com- or we're not we're not a hard news show. It's commentary. It's comedy. Um, so you know, I, I think it's. Our, the standard of redacted tonight is not the same as uh, you know Wall Street Journal or something. It's probably better than the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I, I my basic response is okay. Who funds Comedy Central? Who funds NPR? You know, it's that's weapons contractors. It's banks. It, it's you know, the, if it's there's no uh, sort of unless it's WBAI, of course, right. or our, the Patreon for Pod Damn America. There's no sort of uh, pure um, media source. Right. I actually kind of think in some ways it's better when it's um, run by, when it's like overtly, um, you know, state media. Yeah. Because then you know what to look out for. You know what the bias is going to be. You know what direction it's going to be in. As opposed to pretending that there's no bias, which is what happens when you, um, when you have corporate backers. Yeah. Corporate right, people, right, right. you know, running the, the station. Um and also, of course, um, you know, this is this is true that like the, Russia will have better coverage of the United States than the United States mm-hmm. will. Now, I wouldn't go to Russia to get coverage of Ukraine or Crimea. Right. Um, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah. Right. It, it, it has a, there's a critical distance there. So if exactly. you want to find out about things that are going on domestically in America, you're probably going to get uh, a bigger slice of that than on, than from CNN or something right. like that. Yeah. And um, Rania Kalik, who has been on my on the show. Um, has of course uh, been got, gotten a lot of pushback because she uh, works for um, a show that is like related to RT, and uh, she was. They made her show like say on Facebook that they got funding from RT or had a relationship with RT, and they don't do that with any other shows. You know, they don't have. You mm. don't have to say I'm getting funding from this weapons manufacturer yeah. um, or anything. So yeah, right. It's kind of like. Um, you know, p- people talk about my, my dad actually used to work in public radio. So, I mean, I don't mean to tarnish him by <laughs> uh, pointing out that his son is now working for the Russians. Uh, some of, several of his colleagues, would, I'm sure, would be very disappointed. But uh, something he was telling to me once is that, like, it appears 
that networks like NPR and a lot of these places have an Israeli bias, and that's because you know they, they have this hidden agenda. Um, but it's really the case that there are just a lot of well-funded, well-organized groups like the Anti-Defamation League that call and call and call and email and email and email the second they say anything that uh, calls into question Israeli human rights policy. Uh, and because there's that infrastructure there that's constantly going at uh, news media, um, they're going to respond to that and they're going to skew it so they don't have to deal with it as much. And, you know, if we want to get a something on a similar scale for weapons manufacturers or uh, on behalf of um, Palestinians and, and middle you know people from the Middle East, then... You have to be as rapacious, I guess. Mm, I like that, yeah. So um, speaking of Israel and the um, pro, quote-unquote, pro-Israel bias, I actually wanted to share something that happened to me over the weekend, which is that I had a fun interaction with um, Dove Hickend. I don't know if you know him. He's mm. a tired councilman. Sorry, New York State Assemblyman. Okay. Founder of Americans AA, forever and proud Jewish American and staunch supporter of Israel. Um, so I saw, by the way... That he had, uh, we're taking it local, and I want to say, Dove, you're invited to come on the show whenever you want. But I saw, by the way, this weekend, he, um, because Linda Sarsour, the great activist, uh-huh. um, endorsed Bernie Sanders, she faces so much hate. Yeah. And so um, Dove Hickend, who is a real right winger and orthodox, not that that makes you bad in he's himself. A re- he's a Republican. No, he's a Dem. He's a Democrat. Yeah, okay. but he's in local politics, so yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's someone who was like affiliated with um, these terrorist organizations and Rabbi um, um, Kohani, Kahani, which you don't know about him. He's, he's before your time and before, and uh, you're also not MOT. That's okay. This is safe space for non-members of the tribe. But I think it, you're also not a New Yorker. Anyway, so um, I defended uh, Sarsour and Sanders because what he had written was, let me just open this thing up. This is, this is Twitter's not real life, fam. I know that, but neither is the media, and media critique is good, so I think it's fine to do this. Um, so he said... Anti-Semitism continues to be mainstreamed. When the anti-Semite Linda Sarsour proudly promotes the Jewish anti-Zionist candidate for president, Bernie Sanders, you know we've reached a critical stage. All three, Sarsour, Sanders, anti-Semitism, need to be emphatically rejected. So I wrote, um, you're, to him, you're the definition of a Shonda for the Goyim. Uh, a reactionary theocratic bigot and embarrassment I couldn't be prouder to support people you smear in fact I'd be worried if you didn't if you want to combat anti-semitism stop saying you're Jewish we don't need the bad PR Oof. it's good right yeah. got right to the point so then Dove responds when people employ Yiddish to prove how Jewish they are and as licensed to criticize another Jew you know they're full of BS you and Bernie deserve each other luckily most Americans don't suffer from an identity crisis and wouldn't vote they Bernie because their lives depend on it which I don't even understand. I think he means if their lives depend. Oh, I guess I get it. But he writes "cause" with C U S, which is kind of Cause funny. Cause their lives depend. Yeah, on like it? go dove. I like that. I like that little I vernacular. Mean, they kind of do if they're dying of of health related illness. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Then then some other. Then he then this is hilarious. A lot of people jumped in on that, including a woman who is Christian. You know, a Christian Zionist who said that um, I was too. Like vengeful to be part of the uh, uh, for the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm like, are you? Have you read the book, lady? Like, I'm not religious, but I'm pretty sure 
Like, for better or for worse... She, she writes, this, this woman writes, her being so vengeful, crude, isn't the side of any faith based on the Old Testament. She wants to shut down others, not see peace. I was like, I really don't know what to say to this other than you should maybe read the Old Testament. <laughs> she says, I read it often. Do you read thoroughly or just to have people tell you what it means? It gives guidance to people that God has a plan for each of us. Yeah, didn't that plan include asking people to like, asking a guy to kill his son? Uh, there's yeah. turning people into salt pillars, you know. It's not like the most touchy-feely. Now, this has <laughs> nothing to do with what, what people do with it, right? Like, Christianity for decades, for decades, for millennia, has been a violent religion. Jesus, you know, with a, a couple of exceptions here and there, coming by the sword, blah, blah, blah. It's a pretty peace-loving text, right? Mm, yeah. So, again, I'm not saying anything about Jews per se, um, but I thought it was pretty funny um, also, wh- why does he think that I'm using Yiddish, like, uh, to, to, to prove how Jewish I am? I'm fine with being Jewish. I know I'm Jewish. Yeah, what, I don't know what his angle is there. I don't know either. you are... Uh, yeah, I'm, like, showing off. I'm dropping. It's over the top. I don't know what he's doing. Also, I, that, so Shonda means, like, a, a scandal, and Shonda uh-huh. for the Goyim is, means it's like you're a scandal in front of the Goyim. Oh, okay. Like, who are non-Jews. It's kind of not a nice word, but it's okay. We're family here. We're mishbucha. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, who actually said that was Abby Hoffman at his trial oh. when he was convicted by or found guilty by a Jewish judge. So uh, that's, I mean, that's where I'm not showing off anything except for maybe, like, amusement with, um, you know, some admiration for, you know, his, he had his issues, but he was a funny guy, Abby Hoffman. Yeah. Good organizer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dove, and then some other rabbi jumped in, and they're really into, and oh, Dove, like, liked all these, these, um, he was, like, spending all night liking these, um, tweets about me that were critical of me, and it's just funny that he's critical of a Jew for criticizing a non-Jew, because I jumped in to defend Sanders. Right, so that's, I'm I'm curious to get your opinion on this, because I was just in the UK, Oh yeah, uh, where, you know, Corbyn is somewhat ascendant. He, he could take power. But one of the big things standing in his way is the one smear, mm-hmm. the one really baseless bullshit. Oh, sorry, sorry. BS, BS smear, bullcrap smear that's really stuck. And that is uh, that he's an anti-Semite. Um, and there's a percentage of, uh, the pretty big percentage of, of British people who just who just accept the notion that he's anti-Semitic, right? Um, and they, I, I, a lot of people like this, like this Dove guy is a little more obscure, but right. I think that would be so much more mainstream if Bernie Sanders were not Jewish. Like they would oh, love. Oh, they totally would. To and there have been predictions that. about that. And he's already called self-loathing, right? And yeah. because you know, it, oh, by the way, before we move on to, I, I, I'm so sorry that I was remiss about this, Dove. Um, famously dressed up in blackface for Halloween. What? Yes. Um, you can see him here in this when picture. Was this? Um, well, that's the thing. You know, there are a lot of people who have been, it's never okay, but there are a lot of people who have done that. Um, and it's usually like when they were younger or a long time ago, which I'm not, again, I'm not excusing it, but let's look up when this thing was because it was an interestingly uh, recent phenomenon. Uh, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. What does it mean 2013, by... 2013, Assemblyman Dove Hicken defends wearing a black wearing blackface to a party. Um, let's see how this worked out. Um, a prominent state assemblyman from Brooklyn, reading from the New York Times, defended himself on Monday after wearing blackface to a party he hosted to celebrate the Jewish holiday of Purim. 
saying he did not mean to offend anyone. The assemblyman Dove Hikund, a Democrat and a longtime power broker in the Orthodox uh, Jewish community, wore an Afro wig, brown makeup, an orange jersey, and sunglasses as part of his costume that he said represented a black basketball player. The main objective that I have is not to be recognizable, he said. Uh-huh. Of course the intention was not to offend anyone. That's the last thing I ever imagined that would happen. To be very honest, it never crossed my mind. It's just a black basketball player. Not yes, a right. Just a ran- Yeah. He also enlisted a uh, professional makeup artist. So he really went all out for this. This isn't Yeah, just like- right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he looks, yeah, he's great. He's just, uh, He doesn't really, if I may, does not exactly, it, the bronzer was not that <laughs> dark. He just kind of looks like a... He looks almost like, um, what's his name? Looks like someone uh, who Boehner. is rolling around Boehner. in mud. Yeah. Not mud, no. It, yeah, he like looks in, like John Boehner. Yeah, that's orange, right. something orange. He looks like yeah. John Boehner with, like, it's not even an afro. It's it's not even a Jufro. It's just, yeah, like, curly right. it's hair. It's curly black hair, yeah. Also, the, even the ADL went, uh, talked about this, and they're not, like, big critics, sadly. Um, uh, you know, Unsurprisingly, yeah. This is hilarious. So this is the best part. He said he was flabbergasted by the outcry that he suspected men did not understand the tradition of dressing up for Purim. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like it's because they don't understand that Purim. Way to play the like not familiar with Jews card, my man. Purim is Halloween. No, it's not Halloween. It's it's a very actually interesting. It's a very interesting holiday. But I was gonna, I brought up Halloween because it's like people wouldn't be okay with this for Halloween either. Mm-hmm. Right. And he goes, my wife saw the picture. She was the devil. Believe me, she's not the devil. <laughs> right? That I really like that that argument. Wow. Um, uh, a lot of people don't just don't realize I'm Purim in a sense. Forgive me for saying this. You do crazy stuff. It's not done, God forbid, to laugh, to mock, to hurt, to paint anyone. Uh, okay, so it's just crazy to be dressing up as a black person. It's not hurtful. Next year, I was thinking I'd be an Indian. Uh, but you know, I've changed my mind about that. I don't think it's a good idea. Somebody will be offended. <sighs> wow, he's really grown. The thing I like about Dove is that he really pushes back and challenges uh, the the thing, the narrative that Jews are the cho- exceptional people, or that we're like you know smarter <laughs> than other people, yeah. and that's a problematic, essentializing argument. Um, so I was actually so I'm in the process of potentially being uh converting converting into the tribe oh really my girlfriend i was gonna i was joking (laughs) i mean it's probably not gonna happen but my girlfriend is uh jewish and like very you know she's half ashkenazi half sephardic so she's she's a product of a mixed marriage yeah yeah uh but i was with uh, at uh, her nephew's birthday this weekend and one of the family members was saying that she was stirring the what's that called stirring the when you're trying to mix up trouble Stirring the something. I don't, I don't know. know. Stirring the pot. The pot? The pot, but it was a Yiddish word. Right. But, uh, the potchkala? I just made that term. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try to learn them. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Guys, if you're listening, um, if anyone knows the answer, uh, feel free to... Should we take Should we take calls? You know what? I'm going to... You know what? I, I have a very great opportunity. We have another guest who just contacted me. Um, he's going to call in. He just contacted me. Oh, he was just it? chatting with me. Brad Johnson. Because you know what? The former Vikings quarterback? Not no. necessarily, but here's why. Because, you know, I do a lot of talking about Bernie Sanders, as people probably notice on this show. And um, one of the issues is that uh, this media bias that I talk about um, is 
is not limited to Bernie Sanders. In fact, I have friends who are, are Warren supporters who have called in to me, <laughs> called in, sorry, who have told me that they're grateful for the um, for my coverage. Um, one second, let me just get my friend the number. Um, this is, isn't it great to do live radio? We're yeah. so agile here. <laughs> and then we, I do want to talk more about this conversion, because if you were going to marry me or date me, you'd have to convert to atheism. Oh, yeah? Yeah, or not convert at all, yeah. That, that would be the thing that would happen. Um, so, yeah, tell us more about this dating thing. Tell us more about the uh, when, you know, how, what's the, the status of this conversion, this would-be conversion? Uh, she's talking about it. Um, I mean, she's not uh, very religious, so this would be sort of a Brian Cranston on Seinfeld type of thing where he converts you to Judaism for the jokes, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, what I, a Shonda you are, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I might, I'm, I might do it. I'm interested. I don't know if there were. I've actually, I went to a Jewish summer camp you when did? I was younger. Yeah, so did I. Secular Jewish. Yeah. Tell yeah. why? Why'd you do that? Uh, it was just the only thing in the that my my well. So my mom is Irish American, but she grew up in the New York area and like loves Jewish people. Like she kind of wants to be Jewish. Uh, hmm. so Can you she, blame her? Did she set you up with this woman? Was she your shidduch? No, but she was like very excited when I told her she was Jewish. <laughs> right. Um, Would she have disowned you if you had not dated a Jew? I don't know. It's This is my first girlfriend, so uh <laughs> might have been right. the case. Um, but uh, so I went to this Jewish summer camp, and I remember them telling us there that you couldn't really convert if you're if you're born a Gentile. Well, but how I don't know. I guess they're different. They were pretty religious, yeah. They they had uh, people come from Israel and and talk to us, mm. and I I learned the song. Uh, I I don't know. I'm well. I sing it incorrectly, but the the way I memorized it was Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melavavalam. That's probably way off. No, I, th- no? I don't know. Is that about approximately? Yeah. Dove is going to hear this and get very offended. <laughs> I don't claim to speak any Hebrew. I didn't go to Hebrew school. I did go to a secular Jewish summer camp, which I recommend to everyone called Kinderland. In fact, send your kids there, guys. Peace, justice, social conscience in the time of their lives. I believe that's their motto. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. So who's this Brad Johnson guy? When I was a young man in Minnesota, there was a quarterback for the Vikings named Brad Johnson. Uh, had a very weak arm, um, but he was a good leader. He Well, that's what we need. He's a West Coast offense guy. Um, I'm excited if this is him. I, let's see. Brad Johnson, are you there? Yep. Brad, thank you so much for calling into the Katie Halper Show. I'm here with my um, co-host, um, Anders Lee, also hey, Anders Lee here. Reggie Johnson on the keyboard of radio. Uh, Brad, Brad has been radio. on the Brad has been on the show before. He is an extremely. I'm not going to Brad. I'm not going to blow up his head anymore. But he's a very smart guy. I call him the Rain Man. Here's a Rain Man. Like that movie, Rain Man. Yeah. Smart guy. Dustin okay. Hoffman. Yeah. Fine Rain Man. Because uh, he's a climatologist. Very snowy out. Seven point two inches of snow that day. Oh, and nice. um, also very smart. That is amazing. He should work for NASA or something like that. So, Brad, tell us. I don't know if I'm that neuroatypical. But... <laughs> well, actually, it's interesting you say neuroatypical because um, Anders has a show called Dummy, which is about being precisely that. Yeah, being. Yes, I identify as dumb, but I was labeled as uh, disabled when I was younger. But uh, I, I'm sure that's not your field of science. Is it? No. Okay. Well, anyway, 
And uh, interesting. I mean, I have yeah. been dumb. You have been dumb? Mm. Yes. Mm. I've, yeah. Interesting. Well, I've done dumb things in my life. Okay, got it. Yeah. Not, not, which does not include, of course, calling into the Katie Helper show. <laughs> um, so, Brad, I saw that you tweeted. I was explaining that I'm a big Bernie person. My alter ego that doesn't host a show on WBAI is a big Bernie person. But it's important to just call out media bias wherever it is. And, of course, I do appreciate things about um, Elizabeth Warren. And I saw that you had tweeted something. Uh, you had a little bit of a, a back and forth, shall we say, with some journalists from the AP. Can you tell us what you what you noticed? The this is actually like the AP posted a one of their little fact check roundups, which I guess they do, uh, and they posted one uh, just two days ago, so on Monday, which had the headline: AP fact check Trump Dems fudge science on climate and storms. Mm-hmm. So it's the classic, uh, you know, both sides mainstream media story of both sides being wrong on on facts. And, you know, which is one of the it's gotten reaching like absurd levels in the Trump era. And so it's it started off with uh, pointing out that uh, adding Sharpies to, you know, Sharpie circles to hurricane maps is not uh, a reasonable way of doing uh, weather forecasting. President Trump is now on day five of insisting Alabama was in the path of Hurricane Dorian. That was the original uh, chart. After being ridiculed for displaying a forecast map altered by a black marker to prove his point. With Trump's Dorian insanity. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, which is, you know, like perfectly reasonable and like, I guess, deserves a fact check. If yeah. That's not on me. Um, and then followed it up kind of bizarrely with three different hits on uh, what Democrats at the uh CNN Climate Town Hall were saying, mm-hmm. and it led off with a criticism of Elizabeth Warren, and then there was one going after Pete Buttigieg and one after uh, Beto O'Rourke. And then it goes back to Trump saying something lunatic. But uh, all of them, you know, but especially, you know, starting with the Warren one, uh, was just this absurdity where, I mean, the essentially the AP climate a uh, reporter was attacking uh, the candidates for saying things that the AP has also said in the past. Right. Which is just, I mean, it's, you know, it's actually quite demoralizing. Yeah. You were a board member of um, Climate Hawks, right? Um, I was the founding executive director of Climate Hawks Vote, and I am on the board of End Climate Science. Uh, sorry, End Climate Silence. Whoa. Uh, Freudian uh, slip. I know I've, I, I've had other people have done that to me uh, and climate silence, um, which is an effort to um, challenge things like this, where like the media just misportrays or under under discusses, uh, you know, uh, climate change right. and in questions the, the context in which they do it. And, and this is a classic example of um, people who I think genuinely should know better um, just uh, literally attacking people for pointing out that we need to do something about climate change. So what did they say in particular that, so, that was so incorrect? Well, so what Elizabeth Warren said during the town hall, uh, the climate town hall, which is something that, you know, is, it, you know, is uh, something that basically I, all the, cli- the candidates have been saying was. We've got, what, 11 years, maybe? 
to, to reach a point where we've cut our emissions in half. We've got, what, 11 years maybe to reach a point where we've cut our emissions in half. We'd better be willing to put the resources into it because the alternative is unthinkable. Right. And then the AP responds, these statements are out of step with science what? and goes on. And um, that's just what the, the AP response is like uh, genuinely bizarre. Because you can pull out, I mean, you can literally pull out the AP story from a few months ago where they say the exact same thing that Elizabeth Warren said. Right. Yeah. And we and we saw this at the Washington Post, right, with um, Sanders saying something that the Washington Post um, fact checkers said was wrong. They themselves had said it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, so and, and then the problem is when you call this stuff out, which we need to do, because if we care about the fourth estate and journalism, we need to do if you call that stuff out, you're then some people, the same people often, conveniently enough, will deem you or a, a Trumpian. As if the idea of critiquing the media comes from the right. Right. I mean, there's a proud tradition on the left starting, not starting with, including people like Noam Chomsky. Yeah. Um, so it's a very scary thing to see. Um, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Um, so you you tweeted about this. The, today's show is a very uh, Twitter-focused show, but um, for important reasons, because honestly, this is where a lot of the stuff, the discussion about the media happens here. You also see people's, like... Um, less filtered versions of themselves. And then you see, you know, you have hosts of MSNBC shows, you see them tweeting stuff, and then you can kind of extrapolate and understand where they're coming from uh -huh. when they say certain things on their television program. But you, um, Seth Bornstein, who is one of the people you critiqued, right, who who co-wrote this fact check? Yeah, he's their, their lead climate reporter. Yeah. An environmental reporter. You said, hey, Boren's bears, it's a metaphor. And what were you referring to here? Um, the lungs, because... Because they ch fact checked whether the Amazon rainforest is or is not metaphorically the lungs of the planet. Right, which was something that Better O'Rourke had said. To save the lungs of the planet, to produce 6% of the oxygen that we breathe. Is it the pancreas of the planet? I mean, what's, <laughs> what would they say it is? Is that because it doesn't have avioli? Reading since they, like, I mean, they didn't actually answer that question. But since they were, like, pointing out that more oxygen production comes from uh, oceanic plant life and the Amazon rainforest is, should pro be understood better as a carbon, a major carbon sink, mm. uh, in terms of the, the global carbon cycle. That might mean that it's more like, uh, the kidneys. Oh, okay. The kidneys. Uh, yeah. In like, other words, that it's processing waste product, maybe. Right. Well, they maybe should. The islets of Langerhams. I don't know what Ooh, those do. I like that. Maybe they're urethra. I just wanted to use the word urethra, sorry. Um, I think that would be F uh, Florida. Florida, yes, the, gr the great urethra of the United States. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's a couple levels to this. There's the media bias, then there's this, ref or not bias, well, yeah, it is bias, uh, it comes from a bias, right? But the media irresponsibility, then there's this doubling down, this refusal to acknowledge it. And then there's, and in fact, there's a piece by Ashley Feinberg, uh, about this, which goes through all the New York Times people getting outraged uh, about being corrected or being, you know, having people criticize them, right? Brett Stevens, David Brooks. Now we see this person, uh, Seth Bornstein, who responded to your tweet when you said, hey, Bears, it's a metaphor. And you did write in all caps, it's a metaphor. And he wrote, channeling Murano, are we? Tweeting in all caps like other screaming trolls, are we? Bye. 
And then you said very diplomatically, I have to say, you said, you fact-checked a metaphor. Come on. I hope I'm allowed a little yawp in response. We're on the same team here, at least according to the Moranos and Watts of the world. Not very nice to call me a troll. And he writes back, you and I are not on the same team. I don't belong to any team except Team Truth. I'm a journalist who reports reality and science. You are an activist, at times rude, whose agenda comes first and foremost. That's okay for you. Me, I fight for truth regardless of where it falls. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know what to say. And then you apologize that you, you know, about joking. You took, you know, you were the bigger person. And then um, he kind of just like didn't respond. Yeah, well, I uh, talked with him offline, uh, you know, over email. And like he's been having uh, a really tough time and is a good guy oh, okay. and is a good reporter. Um, and it would be nice if he could admit that this. Uh, piece was uh, a trash fire. Right. But, like, you know, uh, life is hard and, you know. Okay. You're very important. People, people are very mean to twi- on Twitter. Like, right. You know, and it's the type of thing. It's like, it's this problem where um, Seth Bornstein is in a position of, like, real power. Right. Like, ex- you know, somewhat extraordinary power uh, compared to most of the people on the planet. But, you know, at the same time, there are any number of people who are more powerful than Sure. And uh, he has, like, a difficult job and works hard at it. And people are constantly very mean to him on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and, like, in one sense, it would be bad if, you know, people listening to the Katie Happel show were like, oh, Seth Borenstein, you're a terrible person. Like, and we're more mean to him on Twitter. But in like and just kind of increase the overall uh, what is it dark psychic force in the world, <laughs> but at the same time there does need to be some mechanism, even when you know when things are going off the rails like they are now, there does need to be some mechanism for our institution to rise to the challenge and to be able to be called out, um, you know, or criticized um, in meaningful ways uh, when they. Uh, make mistakes, right? Because the con- you know, and I, I mean that's part of the problem is the consequences right now really are super high. Yeah, and all of us are like fallible people who have bad days. Sure, um, and it's really hard to admit, you know. And I get why it's hard to admit it, but you know, at the same time, like, uh, you know, I, I so I don't actually know the answer here, other than like. I don't think that this is some conspiracy on his part, but it is. It was like an embarrass. It was an an embarrassment that should have been shouldn't have been printed. Yeah, and what do you? So why do you think? Like, is there a ten, is there pressure to do these um, both sizes and pieces? Um, so, I mean, some people are very ideological, right? Like um, Glenn Kessler oh, yeah. at the Washington Post clearly hates Bernie Sanders. In fact, he tweeted that he turns down the volume when he sees him on TV. <laughs> um, but neutral, yeah. objective, totally neutral. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one problem is that, like, it is the thing that um, Bornstein, like, that was embedded there in Bornstein's claim, which is that he doesn't have an ideology. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Or, you know, that he doesn't belong to any team other than Team Truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, that's problematic. Um, Right. And, you know, this is something that, like, other really smart media, you know, much smarter media critics like Jay Rosen and the like have pointed out. It's like uh, everybody is coming from, uh, you know, 
has a personal ideology and is coming from an ideological perspective and he and is working in institutions that have uh like have pressures that shape um what they're able to do whether right. they're a media institution or you know a political or whatever and like the the like weather reporters on a local tv station uh, may have similar training to um like a, a meteorological uh, scientist who's working at a, a public university, but they have very, very different bosses. One of them is like, you know, basically being employed, almost definitely being employed by like a right-wing billionaire lunatic. Right. And the other one, you know, employed by the state and the uh, incentives for like a TV, you know, weather guy is his, his job is to get help the station get good ratings. And the scientist's job is to like, you know, Produce, increase the prestige of his university and, you know, and get and you know, and to some degree get, fun, you know, funding for the work um, and to teach students. And the, those things, people not being willing or able to recognize and admit those things uh, really leads us to problems like this. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so like, yeah, I mean, the AP is a commercial entity that, you know, like uh, other news organizations and the like pay for. And, you know, and that includes, you know, right, the increasingly right wing, you know, corporate dominated, uh, uh, you know, media institutions. I mean, and so like that's a, one form of social pressure. I mean, one problem with like almost all news organizations is just the role of uh, the edit- editors so mm-hmm. that you have like these pieces are, you know, supposedly the only people's names on it are the reporters. Right. Um, and so, like, and they're the ones who you, you know, people, you know, and they're the ones who actually, you know, like, engage more on Twitter and the like. When, uh, like, the AP and the New York Times and, like, um, they have, like, a lot of their editorial staff are consider- way to the right of their reporters. Um, and, right. like, you know, New York Times... Uh, the New York Times science section for uh, years, you know, possibly decades, was run by uh, their editorial editors were climate deniers. Yeah. Or at least you know, climate skeptics, if you want to be, you know, nice about it. Sure. But they, uh, you know, didn't put their names on on what they were doing, but they were responsible for what came out. And it was like, so there's no direct way to hold them directly accountable. Right. Well, Brad, we have to have you back on again um, because we just scratched the surface of this, the Earth's surface. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Brad Johnson, for talking to us. Definitely come back. Bye-bye, man. Bye-bye. Please rate and review us on iTunes. And, of course, to hear our bonus. This week we have a bonus episode with Anders Lee. You can um, become Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And don't forget to check out my new podcast, which I co-host with Matt Taibbi, Rolling Stone reporter. This week we talked to Will Meneker. And, yeah, we will see you next week. And best of luck. I don't know why I said that. Okay. <laughs>